welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and we are here to talk about tips and strategies that you can employ to deepen your faith, improve your relationships, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Excel Still More podcast. Before we dig into the title and its meaning today, I want to tell you a story. This is actually an old parable written by a friend of mine, a good friend, David Osteen. He called it the parable of the stove. I want to share it with you and then ask a simple question at the end, and that'll lead us into our material for today. Here's how it goes. One morning, a little girl is in the kitchen with her mother. Her mother says, Do not touch the stove. It is frequently very hot. It will burn your hand and you will get in trouble. The little girl looks at her mother and says, Yes, ma'am, and turns and walks away, thinking, "Uh, We'll see about that. So the next day, she walks into the kitchen, and her mom's not there, and she looks at the stove. She doesn't approach it. She just stares at it for like 10 seconds, and then goes on about her day. The next morning, the little girl is in the kitchen by herself, and she walks over to the stove, and hovers her hand over the stove top, doesn't feel any heat, and goes on about her day. The next morning, she walks in and takes the very tip of a finger and touches one of the burners. No fire, no pain, she doesn't get caught. The next day, she walks in and she taps it with three fingers. The next day, she walks by, almost without thinking about it, and rubs her hand across the stovetop. But then comes the next day. She walks into the kitchen. She's feeling quite bold and entitled. She lays her hand on that stovetop, that red-hot stovetop, as if it was nothing. She starts screaming in pain, has to go to the doctor, get all patched up, and then she gets in trouble. All right, here's the question for you. When did this little girl burn her hand. Now, of course, if you're one of those super literal, practical people, you'll answer, well, technically it was that last day when the stovetop was hot. But I think most of us understand that there were some things in place before that that are responsible for this outcome. You may be somebody who says, no, I think it was a few days earlier when she first took the tip of that finger and touched that cold stovetop. That's really when it all went downhill. Someone else might say, actually, it was a couple of days before that, when she stared it down for 10 seconds, her eyes coveting the forbidden as if it were fruit in the garden. But I think we can go back even a little bit earlier. The title of our episode today is The First Concession. Early on, before something falls apart, before things go awry, Long before you can put your finger on it, or in this case, your whole hand on it, and say, this is when it all fell apart, you can back up to a first concession, a small early giving in that began the whole process. And usually, in fact, maybe always, it begins in your mind. I would say that as soon as her mother told her not to touch that stovetop, and with her mouth she said, yes, ma'am, and with her feet she walked away. But remember, 
that one thought she had, she thought, we'll see about that. That was a small mental concession. She had not said the wrong thing. She had not gone to the wrong place. She had not touched the wrong thing. And yet, she'd done all of that already. Just by virtue of opening the door mentally to the wrong pathway, that was the first domino that led to everything that followed. So something tells me that everyone listening can relate to this in some way. You might say, okay, I ended up doing this, or I ended up failing at that. But if I tie it all the way back to the very beginning, it started with the kind of things that I was thinking. I had defeated thoughts. I had worldly thoughts. I gave a provision for the flesh that the Bible tells not to, but long before that was some green light with my body, I had already justified it or opened the door or allowed it in my mind. It is so crucial that you understand this today. Everyone wants to focus on the moment when it becomes physically real. They want to focus on the moment of measurable failure and then contemplate why that happened and how you fix it. But the moment of tangible failure is just the product of some first concession gone awry. There was something in the mind that wasn't right. It wasn't strong. It wasn't focused on the proper things. And the fact that that is now taken on some tangible form should not distract you from its cause. Let me give you a series of examples to help with this. And trust me, while we're talking about a very negative thing to a negative outcome, there are some extremely positive decisions you can make mentally today, but you need to understand the danger first, the hot stove, starting with, we'll see about that. Remember Cain killing Abel? That was a terrible thing to do. But before he ever lifted his hand against his brother, God came to him. God said, Cain, there's something going on in your heart and it's not good. And by the way, let me interject here. Heart and mind are interchangeable ideas in the Bible. You don't have a heart that feels and a mind that thinks. You have an identity that thinks and feels together. So they're both talking about your inner processes. So the Lord's saying, in your heart, there's some jealousy, some hate. You need to fix that. But Cain didn't fix that. And so out of that, out of that came murder. Can't believe a man would murder his own brother. Well, why not? He had already made the first concession to live with hate or to let jealousy dominate his thinking. Once a man does that, it has to manifest itself some way, maybe not in murder, but in some way. It started with the concession of mind. This reminds me very precisely of the wording of Jesus in Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 22. Again, he's going to use the word heart, but heart and mind, thinking and feelings, all of that is connected. He says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. Now, he's ultimately admitting that all of that becomes real. People really do commit adultery. 
And people really do murder and they really do steal. And they do all kinds of deceitful, wicked things. In other words, there are a lot of people putting their hand on the stove. It may not be hot yet, but they violated the authority. And of course, one day it will be very hot. But what is Jesus' point? All of that ties back to what's going on on the inside. They're thinking enviously. They've conceded on the inside over to jealousy and strife. And so now it's just a matter of time before that mental compromise turns into a gaze, like when the girl looked over at the stove, or where you go, like a couple of days later when she walked over to it, or even now what you do, like when she reached out with her hand and began to touch it. All of that is an extension of the mind. So before we start targeting solutions and a better way, I just want you to think about, it's not a fun thing to think about, but I'm encouraging you to do it anyway, I want you to think about the things that aren't ultimately going well. If in your marriage there just seems to be this consistent friction in words or deeds, maybe you're fighting something like pornography, but three nights a week you utterly and absolutely fail at that, touching the stovetop. You need to think bigger than just the moment when it all goes wrong. You need to think bigger if it's the marriage situation than the fight at night before bed. You need to back up. You say, how far? You back up to early enough in the day when you had the opportunity to set the tone of the day with your thoughts. If your thoughts about your marriage were poor, if they were blaming the other, if they weren't humble or constructive, then don't be surprised in a little while, in just a matter of a few hours, when your words follow that same pattern and your actions. The same is true with vices like alcohol or profanity or pornography. It is not at 12.30 a.m. when the man is on the website that it all went wrong. That's just the manifestation of what went wrong. It went wrong much, much earlier in the day. In fact, you guys know what I like to talk about, the miracle morning and the one great hour and making some affirmations about who I'm going to be. I would say this guy failed when he got out of bed in the morning. There was something in him that knew that this temptation was coming, and he had already conceded that he probably wasn't going to succeed. He hadn't made any mental conviction of strength, prayerful obligation to God, and maybe he just said, I probably won't be strong enough today, and shockingly, he wasn't strong enough. He had already conceded mentally. The rest of it is just dominoes falling. Okay, so this is why in the New Testament, when it talks about putting off the old self in Ephesians chapter 4 and putting on the new self, it begins with this statement, that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Mental renewal. You think differently. You dwell on different things. You rejuvenate your direction from the inside out. The Bible talks about taking every thought captive. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, it goes on to talk about the way that you speak. It goes on to talk about the places that you go and the things that you do and all of that stuff. All of that gets better. All of that finds new results. How? By renewing the state of your heart or mind, your thinking, what's going on on the inside. The same is true in companion passages like Colossians chapter 3. 
It talks about getting immorality out of your life. We've referenced that a little bit. It talks about the way that you treat other people, the kind of wife you are, verse 18, the kind of husband you are, verse 19, the kind of children you are in obedience, verse 20. Fathers, the whole thing goes through this entire conduct relationship listing. But guess how it all begins? If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So as goes your mind first, then goes your lips, your feet, your hands, your eyes. They are a product of the allowances of the mind. So now let's flip this script a little bit. If the first concession, when she first said, we'll see about that, opened the door for everything that followed, what if she had started with a different thought? What if when her mother had said, don't touch this stove ever, it's hot usually and you'll get in big trouble, she said, yes ma'am, and she walked away and she thought, I'm not touching that thing. And so while she looked at it the next day, it wasn't looking and yearning, it was looking and reiterating that's not for me. And the next day when she was in the kitchen by herself and there it was, and maybe there was this temptation to just go see if there's some heat emanating from it. She's dominated by a thought that she has held captive. Her first conviction, which is, that's not for me. That builds throughout the day, the week, and onward. So do you understand how you can use that? I gave you two examples earlier. Let's flip the script on those. Maybe you're somebody who, in your marriage, it just seems to devolve week after week to argumentation, division, etc. What if you get up tomorrow and you say, look, I don't know what's going to happen today. And by say, I mean you're thinking. It's just you. You're all by yourself. We'll talk about journaling in a minute. And you sit down and say, today I'm making a conviction. I will seek peace in my marriage. I will be at peace. That's who I am, and that's what this day is going to look like. You haven't said anything yet. You haven't dealt with any issues. But you've started with a conviction that you've made before God, which is what happens even in our minds. That's why it's so powerful what we think, because we know that it is actually part of an open conversation with God. And that's an extremely powerful thing. If it's that other example, something like pornography, you're trying to get over something that you don't want, Start your day prayerfully, mentally, with great convictions. I'm setting the stage for the day. Today is a day of purity. Today is a day when I don't go down roads that make me feel terrible. Today is a day of sexual purity. That's my first conviction. And then you just reiterate that and build on that. And now the next step that gets you close to 1230 a.m. in front of a computer screen The next step, like staying up late after your spouse goes to bed, maybe you don't take that step because you've already made a conviction and you don't end up in that same place. It's really, really important that you understand the power of positive thinking, affirmations, and conviction before anything actually becomes tangible. Now, you might be wondering as we get to the last couple of minutes, I mean, how do I do this? I'm just one of those people. I don't know if I'm a negative person or if I've just failed too many times, but I tend to think weakly, make excuses for myself. I'm giving myself concessions all the time. 
And I can see now more clearly than ever that that is the actual trigger for what comes after. Well, let me just tell you this in our last minute or two. Take advantage of the one great hour or half hour or whatever you have in the morning. Invest yourself in some form of journaling. You don't have to purchase the Excel Still More journal. You can if you want. You can go to excelstillmore.life and order it, but you could write it down in a notebook or something. It's kind of interesting, though, men in particular are not big journalers. Why would I sit down and write what I'm thinking? I mean, that's not even real. Like, you haven't actually done anything just by writing it down. I want to get out there and do some things. If you're thinking that, gentlemen, go back to the very first second of this episode and listen to it all again. You need to understand that as you think, you live. So I sit down in the morning and I write down things about questions I have for God. I write down things I'm thinking about Bible study. I write down things I feel gratitude about and what I intend to do about it. I write down affirmations, strong convictions about who I am or who I'm going to be in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I close that journal, in terms of the real world, I haven't done anything yet. But in terms of what I'm going to do in the real world, I've done something enormous. I've made some convictions. So I certainly hope you'll be more open to that, especially in the avenue of morning prayer and Bible reading. You've just got to get your mind right. If you've been struggling, if the results haven't been there, and you're wondering how to make it better, think back to the beginning of the process. Take responsibility for, and then commit to replacing, the first concession. Thank you so much for listening today. We encourage you to check out the website, excelstillmore.life, where you can subscribe to emails, order the three-month journal, or check out past episodes. As always, please consider sharing this with people in your life who you think we can help. And whatever you do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.